This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Really excited to have you here today. I'm doing a special interview with Miranda Mitchell. She's an energetic alignment and human design guide that supports and encourages conscious leaders to step unapologetically into their authenticity so that they can create more impact with sustainability and ease. So her and I had a really beautiful conversation where she shared her journey. We dived into a lot of her human design chart and talked about how she started her certification program. So I'm really excited for her to share her story and for you to get lots of wisdom nuggets from her. So Miranda has the philosophy that you cannot take your clients further than you take yourself. So she continuously stretches herself through perspectives, ideas, and modalities that not only help her change and evolve, but help humanity change and evolve as a whole. With the channel of struggle in her human design chart, which is the 28 to 38 channel, she knows where she is here to go through in terms of her challenges and knows what is worth fighting for, which is the love of humanity. Her story reads much like a hero's journey with living in poverty, traumatic childhood, and lack of love for herself to forgiveness, acceptance, and unwavering love for all. So what I really love about Miranda's story is that she just gives so many beautiful examples of being her own personal transformation, which is so beautiful in terms of being somebody who supports others to do the same. So let's dive into the conversation together, and I hope you enjoy it. I have Miranda with me. She's a 2-4 manifesting generator. We're going to dive into the conversation. So Miranda, I would love to hear if you can share how you discovered human design. And then of course, we're going to talk about business and all the things as well. But this is always somewhere I love to start with people who are really passionate and doing this work with others. Mm. Well, it took me a long time to find human design, but I feel like it was at the correct time. So um, throughout my entire life, I really was all over the place. I made a lot of decisions. I have an open G, undefined G, and I really had a very hard time with loving myself, trusting myself. Um, I constantly was morphing into different people and I didn't understand why. And then I got upset that I didn't know myself. Like, why do I even matter? I mean, I do have the 2082, but um, it was a lot of pain in the beginning of really not knowing myself and in my chart too, in my North node, it all goes into like, it's all about me. So it's very interesting. Um, but I found human design after I did about yoga for about 10 years. So what happened is I found yoga. Um, it gave me the time to slow down so that I was able to listen to my intuition. I made some huge life changes. I broke up with my fiance at the time, which we were together for 10 years. Um, I made these decisions because I wasn't happy. And I was aware for the first time because my entire life I'd been in, um, just go, go, go. I wasn't aware of myself or anything. Um, and then I did yoga for 10 years, slowed down, became a yoga teacher. 
and I wanted to take my students deeper. So then I ended up going into coaching because I wanted to learn how to ask the right questions to bring them deeper other than just the physical practice of yoga. And then from there, that is when I found human design after I went through all the coaching. So it came and at first I didn't really connect with it. At first I was like, mm, nah, you know, not for me right now. And then a year later, I dove into it again. I was like, okay, if I can buy a book and I can read it through, because, you know, I have the 48. I like to go deep. I always do. I go deep into things and I didn't want to do that again if it wasn't going to be for me. So I bought a book. I read it within two weeks. I was like, okay, so I can go deep into this. So then I got certified. And ever since then, I've been layering in, learning about myself through my own personal reflection, because I'm a right angle, as well as with relationships, like my business partner, especially I've grown in the last year so much because of working with her, because we both are two, four managers and learning ourselves in a relationship. It's amazing. Um, so I love it because you can go deeper um, over and over and over again. And I feel like it's going to be a never ending process, which I love. Yes, I can totally agree with that never ending process and how you think, oh, I understand all the things. And then all of a sudden you have a conversation with something with someone and something else opens up and you think, okay, there's more to this. There's always more, which is so exciting. One thing that I find really fascinating and one of the things that I love to kind of myth bust is people comparing types. And so mm -hmm. you have a business partner, you're both two, four manifesting generators. And I would love for you to share the similarities and the differences that you see in that, because I think that this really gives people an even bigger permission slip to be themselves and not box themselves into a certain profile or a certain type and so on. Yeah. So we're two, four manygens. I have a lot more line fours in my chart. So networking, getting out there. She has a lot more line twos, which is all hermiting, right? So there's a huge difference right there. Um, and we actually support each other in that. And we we really thrive in that. And then also she has the will or the ego heart defined. And I also do, but I also have um, the sacral, the root and the spleen where she doesn't have those connecting to the throat. So there's a huge difference with the amount of speaking. I can speak a lot. And for a long time, I really did not. I, that was one of my things. I be quiet. You're too loud. Nothing that you say matters. You're too much. Da, 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 like all the things. So I kept really quiet. I never spoke. And that's another thing that yoga actually gave me. It gave me that release in my body because my incarnation cross is the tension, tension three. So I hold a lot of energy in my, in my body. And really, it's important for me to release it. So that's why I did 10 years of, and this yoga that I do is not like yin yoga. It's like Ashtanga hardcore yoga <laughs> for six years that I did before I even started moving away from it. So um, within the body, my tension that I keep in my body and the amount of output through my voice is so much more than what she has. It, we both have the defined throat but it's different. So those are just two different aspects. Um, and then she has line four or line 40. So she needs a lot of like space and with all her line twos, right? So even though you have a two, four Manny Jen and you have two of them, 
they are so different. And not only that, but the deconditioning aspect as well and how you grew up and the experiences that you had, the beliefs that you have, the karmic patterns that you receive from your family and your cells, all of that goodness as well. That was such a beautiful example, just Thank really you. showcasing the difference between people. I feel like when people initially learn human design, sometimes we kind of get stuck in the foundational aspects that we need to understand. And then we get boxed in. But I love that you can see your differences because then you know how to support each other, which is literally the biggest thing with human design is having it be a tool that we can support ourselves and understand others and collaborate and so on. So I think that that was really, that was really beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. So one of the things that I really see, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Miranda's chair right now, and I'll just kind of go over this really quick with people. So she has a defined heart center, throat, sacral root and spleen. And I'm seeing a lot of activation in the spleen. And so I would love for you to share about your experience with the spleen, because this is all about physical awareness, which explains the yoga aspect and you really being tapped into your body, right? And then obviously there's safety, security and intuition. So I would love for you to share what your journey has been like having a defined spleen and also just a lot of conscious activation there as well. Honestly, when I was younger, uh, maybe that's why I actually didn't drink a lot. I really did not want to be in my body, maybe because I felt so many fears and things come up that I drank things away. I mean, I started drinking and partying at age 14. I moved out at 14. So there was a lot of stuff going on at that time. Um, but as I got older, I don't know, I just started being aware of feeling the fear and do it anyway. And I'm not sure how. I just, that was one of my mottos, feel the fear and do it anyway, as long as you're not going to do anything dangerous to your body or anything like that, you know? So I really learned at a lot, a uh, young age to step into my courage. I think that's why I left at 14. I mean, I had my son at 21. There's a lot of instances where I had to really push through things. And as you probably see in there too, I have perseverance in there. So, um, I honestly feel like I'm very blessed in that aspect because I really love fear and I feel like when I feel it, it gives me the opportunity to say, I'm going to do it anyway. And then I step into that courage, which makes me step into the challenge, which I love challenge. And, you know, everyone with a challenge gate is like, oh my gosh, I don't want that gate. It's so I don't want that, like the adventure challenge gate, but that is like one of my favorite gates because I'm bored if I do not have a challenge. So I love challenge. I love fear. I love stepping into fear. I love pushing people into fear a little bit in a gentle way. Um, so it's actually one of my favorites. That's so cool. <laughs> Can you share for people who have their, their spleen defined? Because I definitely, I see the contrast of people having their spleen defined and either being very fearful and pulled back and reserved and then for example yourself like you have this fearless energy like you're literally sharing about how you really embrace this so if you could tap into your intuition like what do you think it is that allows you to embrace the fear and what would you say to someone who has a defined spleen who may be resistant or reserved about exploring that you know i think it goes deeper into the chart i think it goes maybe into the astrology aspects um, and the way that I was also brought up for some reason, I always felt like I knew I was there to do more than what I was being offered and fear didn't hold me back. 
Um, so it may be just like another layer, a more subtle layer. I always had that perseverance, always. Um, but I have known people definitely that have the fear and let it keep them stuck, right? So I don't know if maybe there's some deconditioning aspects going in there, if there's some beliefs that are going in there, because honestly, maybe this is it. Like I knew that I was always very selfish. My mom said I was always selfish. I always did everything that I wanted to do. I never do anything that I don't want to do. And in my North Node, it's all in line one. It's all in house one. Like I'm here to step into my individuality and maybe that's it. I just feel blessed that I've been given that because I have seen people freeze up in it. Um, and maybe that's just their story. I love that you brought in the different aspects of astrology, right? And even just, again, giving an example of looking at the whole chart. And I think intuitively as well, that it can be the fact that you have that, I mean, you obviously have your heart center defined, right? So you've got three out of four motor centers defined, that sacral to root to spleen, like there's the creative energy pushing into the, you know, pressure to evolve into the physical awareness and intuition. Like I feel like there's a lot of intense energy there. So that can play into it as well. So it's just so interesting how we can sit and look at a chart and be like, oh, what does this mean? And what does that mean? And contemplate it while still allowing us to have the fluidity of, of being human, you know? Mm-hmm. And that brought up too, you know, all, all of my life, I was trying to like later on, I was trying to heal myself from all of the traumas that I had put myself into because I did, I made those choices energetically because I was in the lower vibration. I wasn't aware of myself. I didn't love myself. So I was trying to heal myself. And that gave me the perseverance of like pushing through, looking at myself deeper, letting go. But then I realized that I was trying to like prove my value as well. So I constantly was like, getting all the certifications and going through school and having to do all the things and learning up because I wasn't enough. I just wasn't enough right then. So I, I was doing it to better myself. And then I realized that, wait a minute, I am still proving here. Like I'm still proving to myself that I'm not good enough because I keep trying to better myself when I'm already good enough the way that I am. So it's more so about how I be when I learn and integrate and do those things. So that might be it too, because I was really stuck in, I need to fix myself. I'm broken. This is so fascinating because what I'm seeing is that usually somebody who has an undefined heart has that like, I need to acquire more resources and learn more things. But I've also seen this when it comes to having an undefined or open G center or people who have a two line, either consciously or unconsciously as their profile. It's like that desire, that naturalness of wanting to gain wisdom, right? So it's so interesting how you've noticed this like play out in these ways. And so this is actually kind of leading me now that you've shared your bit about getting into yoga and just your personal development experience and discovering human design. So how does all of this tie into how you started your business? And can you share about what it is that you do in your business? Yeah, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. So I was a personal trainer first. I don't know if you knew that, but I was definitely a personal trainer for like 20 years. Then I went to yoga and taught yoga. Then I started doing my, um, my business for my coaching. And until I started my business for my coaching, I was just making ends meet. I was like, I was a single mom with two boys. I was, I wanted to be there to pick them up, to do the homework, to do everything that I needed to do for them. And 
I kept saying to myself, all I need to do is make enough money to make ends meet. And that's exactly what I did. So I struggled the entire time. I always did it. I don't know how, but I did it. Then I went to the coaching aspect and I realized, wow, I'm really holding myself back because I keep telling myself all I need to do is make ends meet. <laughs> so I started diving into the money aspects and my beliefs because of my family and how I was raised. And then when I found human design, it kind of unraveled for me because I had already done a lot of the money work. So I had already known that I am valuable. What I offer is of value. I can support people. I'm really here to help them like love themselves so they can be more bold and more authentic. And then human design just gave me that extra oomph to like boldly step into that. Because before I had the open head in Ajna and the 48 in my conscious son. So I would always question, am I making this up? Like, is this truly true? Am I like, this can't be true. You know, you know, so I was talking to myself and doubting myself. But then when I saw my chart, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is all true. And I've been living in the lowest expression and I need to step it up and make impact on a global level. <laughs> That's so amazing. I, I just love how human design, like when people find it, and obviously the people listening to this episode, it really does allow us to take things to another level. It really does allow us to see ourselves on such a deep level. It's obviously a never ending rabbit hole, like we talked about, and it just gets to accentuate the work that we're already doing, which I think is so beautiful. So that's amazing. So can you share a bit more about how you have a human design certification program? And I love supporting people sharing their work because I mentioned earlier before we hit record that I have people ask me regularly, like Kayla, like where can, where do you recommend to study or to get it certified and so on? So I would love for you to share a bit more about that and how you and your business partner are supporting this movement that you're creating together. Yeah, we have um, the Align Living Academy that we started last year. And we're, like we said, two, four managers, you know, we knew each other actually through our coaching school. And then somehow things evolved after five years. And then we got together. It was a beautiful experience. It was definitely following our design that it unfolded. Um, the certification we created is because we felt like it's so powerful. We shifted so much of our own perspective, our own growth, and could really see more potential for ourselves in the world that we wanted to give that opportunity for other people. And we felt like, yeah, we can be a part of masterminds. We can do readings. We can do all the things, but how are we going to do that on a global level? And I have Sagittarius in my North node and so does she. So we're really here to push that out to be on like global travel and all that. So we decided to do the certification and it really was beautiful because I had never thought about it ever. She has more of like the initiation quarter one. She's in quarter one. So she has like the initiation. I'm in quarter three. So I'm like community, right? So she brought that up. I never thought about it. And the minute that she said, hey, you know, I think we're here to do or work together on our certification. My sacral was like, uh-huh. Like, yes, no doubt. And I had never thought about it before. So what happened is we just started doing like things unfolded. The name came easy. We started the day. We, I mean, we enrolled 10 people before we even started it. It was amazing. It's really unfolding. So we knew that to make more impact, we needed to support others step into their power. We both have the seven defined. So it's more so about sitting back 
rate, letting other people step into their power and we support them. It's not about us being the face of anything. We're really here to be of service. So we created that certification with the intent of supporting others, stepping into their authentic role so they can then also create impact because it's how we all can create impact. This is so good. I'm listening to you and I'm hearing that four line coming in like community, like we're rising together. <laughs> and actually I've been wanting to ask you and it's beautiful because I this is coming into the conversation so easily is that money line channel, the 45 to 21. The way that you talk about this program is like coming from such an aligned ego energy of that that line of resourcefulness, right? And so I'm curious if you can, I want to hear your experience of that because also the 21, gate 21 is your, your conscious earth. So I would just love for you to talk about your experience with that line because I've definitely seen in the online space, people being like, you know, I really want the money line. And if I'm, if I have the money line that I'm good at making money, or also if they have that channel of surrender between the 44 and 26, people think like, oh, I'm going to be so good at selling and it's an entrepreneurial channel and so on. And I know you have the 26. So I would love for you to just talk about those aspects. Cause I, I heard them come up in such a powerful way that when you talked about your certification program. Yeah. I love that you said that because, you know, Annalena has that channel as well. And she has it in uh, her moon. So like it's what really motivates her, right? Where me, I'm more a little bit more laid back. I'm like a little bit more like community supporting other, you know, it's not like money, you know? So the way that I feel that line is truly a not about money. I mean, I truly feel like, yes, we need money. Money is so important. I want money because I want to be able to invest in things that I want to invest in. I want to travel. I want to have a legacy for my daughter. I don't want her to have to go through. So yes, but I also know that money is only the outcome of something. So really it's about connection for me. It's about community for me. It's about meeting people like you, like really getting to know people, trusting people, supporting one another. And it's about humanity as a whole. It's not about money for me right so but there's also that control aspect <laughs> which I will tell you I definitely lived in when I was younger I had to control everything to be safe everything I had everything written down I had my schedule I controlled absolutely everything so nothing there was no surrender whatsoever as soon as I did surrender that's when things started to ease up and money started to come in more easily. So I was restricting with the control. So it's very interesting on where it is in your chart because where it is in your chart will affect the way that you experience it and if it's on the unconscious or the conscious level. That's so brilliant. The the part, one, one of the things I love when I contemplate that gate 21 and the shadow of control and the the gift of authority i'm really curious how you describe that and how you experience that because it's interesting i feel like there's a bit of a paradox between when we're in control we think we're the authority mm. right so it's very it's kind of ironic and it's a paradox but we'd love to hear your insight on that because this is a very powerful gate i mean the all yes. but <laughs> i the way that i see it is i am in control because i'm in control of surrendering I choose to surrender. So I'm in control because I chose to surrender. 
that's how I see it. I love the simplicity of that. So yeah. good. And this so now that we're kind of diving into like money and simplicity, I think this is going to lead us into like a really great conversation about prosperity because we were talking about this on the podcast episode that we did together on your channel. And so I would love to hear because you asked me a similar question where well, you asked me a question, but I think this is more of my contemplative afterthought was what shifted for you when you learned about human design? that allowed you to transform your relationship with money and redefine what prosperity means to you? Because this is such a freaking golden nugget. And I would love to hear your experience with this. Yeah, well, prosperity to me used to be money. I mean, just like what you had said, it's it truly was. And it was because I came from none. I had to work, work, work to get where I was. And I thought that time was money, you know? So I really worked hard and I struggled because it was like, I felt like it had to be hard. I was telling myself it had to be hard. Now, when I found human design and really started diving into my own chart and my own feelings about money, I realized that money for me was more about security because I had not had it. And I'd been like 14 years old. I was drifting all over the place. You know, I had two boys I was raising by myself. So I needed to have that money. But when human design came in, I was able to recognize the fact that it wasn't the money I needed. It was more so the trust that I was being supported because my entire life, I did not trust my entire life. I was the only one that could do anything. I was the one that had to make things happen. I was the one that did make things happen. So I couldn't trust to be supported, which then restricted my potential. So when human design came in, I let go of that trust. I was able to trust. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It takes some time and sometimes it still reverts, but it opens up to the potential of more than I could have even asked for. Whereas before it was like, I had the straight and narrow goal. I was only looking at that goal and everything around me, what I was blind to. Whereas now I'm, I see a goal, but I'm open to everything outside of that goal so that I'm able to receive. That's such a beautiful example. I really love what you said at the end around this this goal situation because I feel like this really ties into the hustle culture of being focused and then being focused and and putting blinders on is very much praised in literally any industry. But the way that you explained that surrender of trust and trust is like, okay, there's the goal and here's everything else. Because then what that does is it quite literally just creates space for possibility, right? Because when we're so hyper-focused, then it becomes limited in the way that we think we can, quote, achieve that goal. So we actually cut off prosperity. So right. I, I love how you gave that visual because as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that just like hit me in the feels. It was so good. Oh, good. <laughs> So I would love to ask you, I noticed you and I have similarities with the undefined head and open Ajna. I have the 61 consciously defined and you have it hanging out unconsciously and it's in your, your unconscious moon. So I would love to hear about your experience with the 61 because I haven't actually contemplated mine that much and we have a similar situation going on up there. So I would love to hear your insights on that. Um, in quantum human design, the 61 is wonder. I love this gate. I 
absolutely love this gate. And I can say, because it's in my unconscious mood, motivation, what drives me. I love being in a state of wonder. So again, if I'm hyper-focused, I'm not in a state of wonder. I'm hyper-focused. Whereas if I'm in the, the wonder and curiosity and letting things open up for me, then my motivation is even more so because I'm open up to expansiveness. So I love that gate. And I, I think I read somewhere like um, you are, if you have this gate, you're, um, oh, I can't think of the word. It's like you're, you're naive, you're naive to things. And I looked back on that and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so naive to things but when I was younger, but I knew I was choosing to be that way. And I chose to see the positive in everybody and everything. So I was naive and I put myself in areas that probably could have killed me, honestly, with some of the things I was naive. But now that I see that, I think it's a huge gift because I'm able to have that that like that wonder and the awe and, and I get to open up to that and I don't have to be stuck in, in fear and all of that. So I think that actually even plays into some of the fear gates. It's that naiveness. So I fully step into that and I love that gate. It's like one of my favorites. That's so cool. I, I love this. I was actually chatting with my fiance this morning because he has the full channel. And so we're having this conversation about the shadow of psychosis and I was saying how, you know, psychosis is just this, it can be like this state of confusion, right? Or just thing not seeing things properly, which is ties into the naivety that you're talking about, right? But then what, what we don't realize, and I notice this a lot with the themes of the gates, like when we look at chaos, or we look at psychosis, or we look at entropy, like things are uh, discord, like things that are disconnected, or just messed up, for lack of a better term always lead to some level of creativity there's mm -hmm. always going to be this recreation or this rebirth that comes from that and so I love that you you see the positiveness in this gate because I find that when people see the shadow of psychosis like anything that has like a psychotic title is going to have like some sort of negative connotation right so I think that was like so beautifully explained how how you experience that and so for you having it in an undefined head center what is that like for you? Because I feel like the inspiration is just amplified because it's literally the gift of the, of the gate. Yeah. I, you know, I, when I've done readings with people that have like a defined head in Ajna, um, I can only do it for about an hour because then my head is like, I feel like there is like pounding into my brain and it's, it's getting me stuck and it gives me a headache. I just feel, and I used to think this was like awful. Like I feel really like just go with the flow. And my open Ajna, I used to really get down on myself because I couldn't, I can't remember things a lot. Like I'd have to, like you said, write them down and highlight them. And I'd have to like pound them in my brain when I had to do tests. And it's like everything would just leave. And I used to be like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just keep this information in, you know? So I thought I was like stupid or something was going on with my mind. And then when I saw it was totally open and then I had the, the wonder with 61, you know, it's like, oh, I mean, I'm here to actually be very open-minded. I'm here to let things go, which I'm so grateful. I don't 
like create those patterns in my brain of things that are negative. I feel like that is a huge gift. So that is another thing that I actually love about having open head nausea. I know a lot of people say that they feel like they have all of these things going on in their head and they don't know which one is their idea, but I do, I have the 952. So I do meditation. I do grounding. I have the root. So I trust my strategy to follow what is right for me and all the other ideas. It's like, oh, that's interesting, but I don't hold on to it. So I actually love that aspect. Yes. And you know what I'm hearing too, is that being a sacral being, you're like, I don't want to say trained, but you're accustomed to not needing to respond to everything. I think that's what happens when I notice this, when somebody has their sacral defined and they have an undefined head, they, if they're not aware and kind of restrain themselves a little bit, they'll want to respond to everything to relieve the pressure. Right. So I feel like anyone who's listening to this, if that resonates with you, just take an extra minute and just be more of an observer. Like you said, like, oh, that's nice. You know, you don't have to like hone in on it and and figure it out and so on. So I I really love that that description. And I really want to ask you because we have this in common. Can you please share your experience of having a completely open Ajna? Because for me, I feel like it's been such a gift. And I think some people get so disempowered by their undefined or open centers. I would love to hear your insights. Yeah, I feel like it's a gift too because of the open-mindedness, you know, open to new perspectives, open to learn any new beliefs, not get stuck in certain things. Um, It's one, I I keep saying that about everything, I guess, that is one of my favorites. (laughs) I guess I just love my whole chart. I don't know, (laughs) but it's like, I love the open Ajna because like I said, I don't get trapped in the negative thinking and repetition of trying to figure things out. And um, I can just let things go and trust the fact that if it is for me, it's going to show up for me to respond to. So I don't need to hold on to anything and I can let go. So I love it just because it's, it feels freeing to me. I really, I can really resonate with that. And, and just having that extra level of awareness. And I think that this comes from doing things like movement and meditation to release this energy because when we think about it being a pressure center right on top like depending on our environment we could quite literally just be pressurizing ourselves to have certainty have certain belief be agreeable and so on so I love that you have just really relaxed into the open-mindedness because there can be like an overwhelming aspect when you're like I I just find it if I find that I'm being very agreeable then it's this like, well, what is the truth? Like, how can we come to certainty? Everything's nuanced. And then it kind of keeps things very open-ended, but there's always a good time and place for that, which I think is really important. So thank you. And for that's strategy, that. you know, yeah. strategy. If you follow your strategy and I know with my strategy, I do have the defined spleen and I definitely, and it goes to my throat. So I definitely like in the now moments when I just know things that I just, I've learned to just say it. So it's about trusting that in the moment when you have it. And then if you don't have it at that time, because I mean, I do question things and get uncertain. Should I do this? And should I do this? You know, then I just go back to the strategy. Okay, if this is for me, it's going to show up for me to respond to. And I let it go. I don't think about it and like see signs everywhere. It's like I let it go and then let things come to me. And then if it shows up, then I respond in whatever feels right for me. Yeah, that's so perfect. I love that advice for anyone who is a circle being. You don't have to respond to everything. 
And mm-hmm. I've also heard too, some people really love allowing things to show up in threes. For example, mm-hmm. something shows up more than once, then they're like, okay, now I'm going to take action on this. So I think that we can have that little bit of extra patience instead of having to like respond right away. Yeah, so definitely. The- it's like, I see it. Let me see if it shows up again. Yes, <laughs> perfect. I would love for you to share about your experience of learning quantum human design. Because mm-hmm. I actually interviewed Karen Curry Parker on my channel, and we had a beautiful conversation. And I didn't get to dive into. We, we talked about so many things. The conversation was great, but I didn't get to dive into as much as what it's like to have a different language for human design and what that's been like for you. And if you learned that first, or if you learned air quotes traditional human design language first, and just what your experience has been with that, and however you want to share it right now, because I think that. Again, this is just another example of being open-minded and looking at the different ways that we can use the human design system to have it be more accessible and inclusive for people. So I would love for you Mm -hmm. to share your your insights on that. Yeah, so quantum human design came to me first. I I did her all all four levels of Karen's um, training. So I did all of her levels of training and I loved it. Like I love the expansive wording. I love the way that I felt expansive, especially with the 61 wonder and awe. It's like I was floating, you know, then after I graduated, I started looking into traditional human design. So I hadn't really done a lot of traditional human design before that. And I realized with the traditional that I was like, wow, this grounds me like this tells me And I mean, I'm one for change. I'm one for challenge. So when you tell me there's fears or anxieties or certain things that show up that's considered labeled negative shock, it actually grounded me because I felt like, okay, I've experienced this. And now I also know the higher expression and the expansiveness. So for me, I think I learned it the way I was supposed to the expansiveness first and then grounding and then the way that I teach and I serve is both it's more so grounding into the fears grounding into the anxieties are these things that you've struggled with is this thing you know like owning it because we have to own the shadows just like the gene keys you have to own the shadows and feel the shadows to be able to be at the expansive side so for me I feel like both is perfect for my learning. And that's how I like to support others is through both. Cause I believe we need both. I truly do the grounding and the expansive, just having the awareness and the choice, because then you have the awareness, you have the choice to step into the higher frequencies, to stay in the balance or notice when you're kind of in the lower frequency with love and compassion and then readjust. It's all about awareness. I love this. So good. Can you share some of the examples of the language change? Because I think I remember when Karen introduced herself, she's also a manager and she's called herself a time bender. Is that Mm -hmm. some of the language? Can you just share some of the language differences? Because I think it's so interesting to hear that. Yeah. So the the five types are a manager is a time bender because we're very fast skip steps. Uh, Generator is an alchemist. The manifester is initiator um projector oh it's leaving my mind what a projector and a reflector is right now it's because I use the other language so much more now that's okay I think it, it yeah, was just great that's to a have few a, of them 
Yeah, no, that's perfect. And then I know I was reading one of Karen's books and she was talking about how, and I loved this because I feel like in traditional human design, when they refer to the undefined open centers, like it's a very negative experience, like all oh, these are your conditioning portals and so on. But she really called them, you know, the God portals or like your, your spaces of wisdom holders, right? And I think that that's really beautiful because it continues to have human design be empowering. Because when I first started doing a lot of readings a couple of years ago, people were coming to me and they're like, oh, you know, I'm a manifester and I have this like repelling energy. And they were saying all these shitty things about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how about we just rephrase that? Because it doesn't need to be like that. And it's not about bypassing our experiences because you even said it when you heard the traditional expressions and language from the traditional human design text you 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 found validity in that you're like oh I have experienced those fears and anxieties like great I am a human being right so I think that mm-hmm. that's something that's that's really beautiful yeah and I think that goes to deconditioning too because if a lot of people haven't done deconditioning aspects I do feel like sometimes the traditional could get people like really heavy really heavy and down and like in the muck But if you are doing the deconditioning aspects, like releasing and learning who you are and embracing those shadows, they're not something wrong with you. It's something that you're here to learn about. Then you can use it in a way that is grounding and expansive. So it depends where you're at in your journey and nothing is wrong. It's just the awareness. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to work on deconditioning aspects. Maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I need to connect with this first. So I do think deconditioning has some like rep avenue in there as well. Yes. This is actually a beautiful segue into that conversation because you and I talked about deconditioning on your channel. And I would love for you to share how, how would you describe deconditioning and what has been your experience with it? Yeah. Deconditioning. I feel, I honestly feel like deconditioning for me, my experience is having the opportunity to slow down to witness your patterns and then to make the choice in changing the patterns now the way that i did that was through yoga i did ashtanga yoga practice Um, with that it was breath and movement and drishti so as i was going through all these poses my gaze was at a point my breath was on point I was doing the movement on point. So my mind was not wandering. And for me, because I am the the cross of tension, I hold everything in my body. It was very important for me to do it that way, to release all of the traumas that I had in my body that I had not spoke about because I have a lot of activation to my throat that I did not speak. So that gave me the opportunity to release a lot of the beliefs and traumas that I had within my body, within my cells. And then it gave me, the practice to slow down and witness my thoughts. So I feel like deconditioning is finding something that you like to do, that you can be consistent in, that gives you the space to really look inward. That's what deconditioning is. And to do it in a way that is not to get somewhere, but to do it in a way of just self-awareness. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's showing up for me right now. Or that's interesting. I have this belief about this experience right now. And then not taking it with you and like, why can't I get over this? And because there's more of the conditioning, it's more so witnessing 
and then moving through it. So it takes consistency. Um, it's a, I think it'll be a forever process. I mean, I teach meditation practices. I still do my own meditation. I still do my own deconditioning because things come up in life. You can be reading the same book and at a different time in your life and new avenues and new things will come up because you're releasing your beliefs. You're releasing societal norms. You're releasing your shoulds. You're releasing all of that conditioning that you've had your entire life and you're creating the space for newness. So I feel like deconditioning is finding the time and space to slow down, to witness your experiences and your beliefs and then let them go. I adore how much you bring human design. Like human design can be a very mental thing. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I know this thing. I know what this means and this means. But when we talk about integration and embodiment, the way that you have given so many examples of coming back into the body and back into slowing down and you have such a tonality of compassion. And it's so funny because I'm looking at your chart and I have the 36. So you and I have that full channel. So the way that you're speaking, I feel like you're just pulling humanity and compassion out of me. And it's so satisfying. I'm like, yes, I totally resonate with this. So I was just like listening to you, like nodding so hard. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So good. So good. So before we wrap things up today, I wanted to give the opportunity for you to drop a wisdom bomb. Like, what is it that you intuitively want to share with our listeners? And then we're going to talk about how they can connect with you. Um, You know, I know it's so cliche. It is. And everyone always says it, but it's the way it's how you perceive it. Life is a journey. Each experience is that experience in that specific moment. So if you choose to live presently in each moment, then your life unfolds for you where you don't have to control and make things happen. It just happens for you. And the way that you can do that is learning through your chart, doing deconditioning and compassionately and lovingly just repeat with compassion and love as you learn about yourself through the chart. So beautiful. I love witnessing how grounding your energy is with that sacral root and the spleen. Like I really hear that in your sharing. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for that because that was so beautifully said. Can you share with our listeners where they can connect with you? I'm going to put all the links and everything in the show notes so you can just say away whatever you want them to know. Yeah, so uh, you can connect with me at my MirandaMitchell.com. I really work with leaders that are ready to step into higher potential and create more impact through authenticity. That's what I'm here to do. You know, I did not love myself at all. And we each deserve to love ourselves. And by doing that, you have more impact in the world than you ever could imagine that you could. We truly can each have impact. Um, So that's that. And then, of course, if you want to bring human design into your container, your life, your family at the Aligned Living Academy, we have the certification. So you can go onto the website at alignedlivingacademy.com. And also your podcast channel, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And please listen. It's new. So it's just a new thing I'm adding in there. (laughs) The Provoking Prosperity Podcast. 
Uh, I have the provocation in my unconscious son. So I'm here to provoke a little bit, but I do it in a loving manner. So if you want to come on over and listen, I would love, love, love if you would come listen to the Provoking Prosperity podcast. Yes, thank you. And of course, in the show notes at this point, I will have the episodes that Miranda and I did on her channel. So definitely go check that out, subscribe, follow her on Instagram, check out all the things. And I just want to thank you again, Miranda, for collaborating with me on this and diving into your chart and having like such a great like high level conversation and advanced conversation in terms of how this actually shows up in life and business and not just from a factual point. It's like an embodied point. So I really want to thank you for sharing that wisdom today. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank all the listeners for listening. And of course, check out the show notes. And if you can take a moment to subscribe to the podcast channel and leave a review, that would be amazing. And I will chat with you in the next episode.